VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club, with me, comedian and wine novice, Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times Wine Economist and Vice President of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, I have taken up the much-coveted role as apprentice of wine to try and become the master of all things grape-related. But you won't be on this journey alone, Susie. Oh no, every episode we'll be joined by a well-known guest for some good wine, good times and lively conversation. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we have on the show, then fear not, because they're available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. So, whether you're an expert with a broad palette, or you think Moe was a Renaissance painter, in this show, you're sure to find something to your taste. We're here in the fabulous church-turned-boozy destination Amazing Grace in London Bridge, ready to bless the wine and have a good time. Well, joining me for their first ever wine tasting is the wonderful comedian and my new quaffing companion. It's the fabulous Susie Ruffle. Hello, Will. Hi, Susie. Well, I'm excited. I'm a um, bit nervous. Are you a bit nervous? Yeah, well, I'm always a bit nervous about, you know, a new series. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be part of it. I've decided that we should call ourselves Partners in Wine. How do you feel about that? Do you like it? I like that. I okay, like, good. So you, you, you're quite good at puns. Not really, but I'm no. gonna. There'll be some terrible jokes throughout this series, and listener, you're welcome. Tell us about your wine journey in terms of, not your wine journey, but what do you like to drink at home? What I drink at home, I would say, I think that it's, I think it's quite basic. Basically, is what I'm going yeah. to say. I love a Pinot Noir. Yeah. And I am gonna let you all know that I don't know very much about wine, but I'm very keen yeah. to learn more. I've been. I went to a vineyard once. I had a great afternoon. But I know, I know what I like, yes. but I'm very willing to, I would say I always prefer red. I occasionally have a rosé. In that first week when it feels summery and we're outside, mm. that's when I go, it's time for a rosé. Yeah. I know it's time for a rosé. But I feel like being on, on, this, on this wine journey with you, I'm hoping that what I'll be able to find is that, you know, next time I'm out, I can look at a wine list and not go, I'll choose something in the middle because I assume that's sort of what I can afford, but also quite nice. And it makes me look like I sort of understand something. <laughs> so have you got anything from Portugal? You know, I want to be able to say things like that. I feel like it feels a bit overwhelming. If you go to a posh yeah, restaurant, it you know. It is overwhelming. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, it's quite... I mean, you mentioned Pinot Noir. Yes. And so you're starting right, almost right at the end of the wine route. That's one of the, the sort of most sophisticated or complex grape varieties there are in terms of taste and flavour. I'm sophisticated. Yeah, this absolutely. This is I mean, such good news. This is such like, good news. Um, 
that, you know, that that's almost like starting the music journey, going straight into into Wagner or something like that. How often are you thinking about, like when you're at home making dinner, mm. do you always think about what wine you're going to have with it? Because for me, it's like, well, it's the one that's open. Yeah. It's what's paired with <laughs> my dinner tonight. Well, I'm always thinking about wine. So it is quite, you know, I'm thinking about it sort of 24-7. So when you're in the shop, do you, if you're, say you're wandering around the shop, you're picking up what you're going to have for tea. Yes. And... Are you thinking, oh, I've got that nice bottle at home. I'll do dinner around. Yes, I do if it's a good bottle. Right, so, if it's a so you organise it about around and the bottle. And if it's, a, you know, you might, it might be once a week or once a month where you really go to town and mm-hmm. you say, look, Kate, I'm going to cook something really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate is my wife at home. Right, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> so it's not, not any, any Kate that's available is welcome <laughs> okay. for dinner at Will's um, house. And so if it, was, if it was a pasta dish, I might go to... Piemonte and I but I start backwards so I start with the wine uh-huh. and I and I know the flavor profiles I like and then I try and match the food with it but don't be scared about it because there are so few clashes it doesn't actually matter that much and there are so few really good matches mm. you know Chablis and oysters or yeah uh, sparkling wine with parmesan cheese it's fantastic but actually a lot of food you know try and think of the weight and texture of the food and think of the wine as a sort of, um, almost like a spice, not like an addition. And actually, it's... So if you're eating something that's very rich, should you be going for a rich wine? No, you want something with acidity. That, right, that, yeah, that's, that's the that, opposite. That, that then cuts through. But look, I think we've... we've okay, yeah. I mean, I've got so many questions, but we've got a series. We've got a series to get through <laughs> all my questions. So that's fine, right. So our first wine. Where are we starting? Tell me. Well, Susie, so you're... You're originally from Hampshire, aren't you? I am indeed, yeah. yeah. I'm from Pompey. And if we were doing this series, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we'd probably start with a glass of bubbles from France or Spain yeah. or maybe Australia. Um, but now, over the last 10 years, you hear that pop? Wonderful, is it? Um, we are living through the great English wine boom of the 21st century. And we're very lucky to have, you know, a handful of really great sparkling wine producers in England. So our first wine is a club favourite. Uh, what glass should we go to? Well, I don't know. I don't yeah, know if there's no, a glass no. that I should be that using. Should we go for the no, small one? Yeah, no, no, no. We're going to go for the big one. We'll go for a biggie. This is the point about sparkling wine, actually. You want to put sparkling wine in as big a glass as possible to get all the aromatics. Then why do we always have it I in I know. We have it in flute. flutes. We have it in flutes. And I always say you should take your flutes out and take, a, take an air rifle and, 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 and destroy <laughs> them. It's because <laughs> it does look very nice because the little bubbles go up. So the flutes... On a bar, it looks yeah. it looks attractive, but in terms of actually tasting the wine, mm. it's terrible. It's like a jet stream of carbon dioxide. You don't get much. No, because because the air just funnels through. Mm. Um, here we are. Okay. Now this the color of this wine is. Yeah. So I mean, it's is, sort of blushy, blushish. Yeah, good. Well, this is what I've I've just introduced the wine first. It's Weifold sure. Vineyard, made okay. by Barbara Lathwaite. Barbara planted the vineyard in 2003. I think 2009 was the first vintage. It's just up the road from Henley. You go down mm-hmm. this little English country lane. And I think Oz Clark described it as a, as a pub one end and a cricket pitch on the other. And then you get to this field, which essentially what a vineyard is, is a field. Mm-hmm. And what I love about English wine, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to taste it, but let's, let, let's wine back and answer your question. Let's have a look at the colour. So the first thing we do, if we're tasting professionally... yes. There are three key aspects. Obviously, there's look, mm-hmm. there's smelling, and there's taste. And Susie, this is, we're recording this on a Monday. Yes. Um, 
a normal week for me, on a Monday, I will probably go to a tasting of 200 wines. Wow. I might even do a dinner that evening as well. And the reason is, is because we spit as professional yeah. tasters. We, we have to, otherwise. You'd Aiden. be hammered. Well, yeah, we couldn't take notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we, 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 yeah, I like this one. I like that one. I like them all. I, I like them all. We'd be quite tired and emotional at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, I'm tired and emotional a lot of the time before <laughs> I do a wine tasting. So. And then um, 70%, 70% of the taste and flavour yeah. of the wine you can pick up through your sense of smell. Okay. Uh, so actually, throughout this series, Susie, you don't have to swallow any of these wines. Okay. If you don't want to. You can swirl them around your mouth, spit them into our spittoon. Okay. And, and see how you get on. Can I ask us, now, I feel like I'm going to, I feel like on this podcast, I should warn the listener first that I am going to say quite often, is this a silly question? But I feel like I should ask them because maybe people are coming to this show like me as a bit of a novice and they want to, you know, just understand more of it. So if... If they're growing in England, how much of a problem is like the British weather? Huge problem. Yeah, yeah. is that uh, what's is that is that what's held back British wine? Is that like what's and well, what do we do if there's like rain for we ever? We had vines planted here in the Roman times, right? Which I believe, and I'm no and that's a real I'm, vintage. Yeah, I'm no sort of meteorological expert, but I believe it was a little bit warmer then. Right. The thing about uh, English sparkling wine, English wine, is it has got a little bit warmer here mm -hmm. so we can ripen the grapes further north so back in the good old 70s you know the furthest we believe you could ripen grapes was champagne which is just below paris which is sort of east of paris now of course that's moved up to hampshire mm -hmm. where you're from sussex yes. kent essex is a great place to grow wine the enemy of english wine is our is rain yeah that's which, what I... yeah and you know as well as i do that how many good summers do we get Every 10 years. Right. Three, four? Yeah, if we're lucky. Yeah, and that's the trouble. So we do get catastrophic years where it goes. But all that, all that happens now is because is the yield is reduced, i.e. the amount of grapes yeah. that are good enough to make the wine is reduced. So that the, the, uh, as well as rain, which obviously can cause to, to disease and rot, you may see at the moment in the papers um, all these spectacular images of vineyards with candles in them. Right. It's because we're getting, because of climate change, or what, what winemakers call climate chaos, mm. is we're getting these warm patches in March. And then, bizarrely, it gets very cold again in April, and you get spring frosts. Yes. Now, of course, a frost, if you were a little bud on a vine, comes along. And You're it, gone. Yeah, it kills. But the vine will grow back. But the yield, i.e. The, the amount of grapes that are made, is reduced. And as a... As a, as a Brit that's a wine expert, are you trying to get more people to drink? Because I feel like I, don't, I never drink English wine. Yeah, I think, and it's do you think, I think it's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, perversely, London, where we're at today, is the sort of centre of the fine wine world. And it's mm. the sort of, I think Hugh Johnson, the club president of the Sunday Times Wine Club, described it as the clearinghouse of wine. So we have in this country an amazing array of wine. Mm -hmm. We can go to a bar at Bar Market and there'd be wines from Chile, yeah. Peru, Australia, New Zealand, um, going up, you know, Eastern Europe, France, Italy, Spain, Germany. That's not the case everywhere in the world. You know, wine producing countries like France and Italy and Spain, although it's slightly changing, are quite parochial. So mm -hmm. you go yeah. into a Spanish restaurant and you'll just have Spanish wine, which is fair enough because they've got some of the greatest wines in the world. But we're very eclectic. So you've got stuff from everywhere. So you've got to... but, but now, of course, we've got our own indigenous wine industry. It's fantastic. And it's growing. So on a good year, we, produced around, we produce around 15 million bottles. To get back onto 
uh, the three stages of tasting yes. profession, which I think might be quite helpful. Can I do a little experiment with you? Please. <laughs> I mean, um, providing, providing it's about wine. I'm just, just going to step off camera <laughs> for a minute. I'm going to blindfold you. Okay. Terrifying. The first stage of wine tasting is to look at the colour. Yeah. So with white wines, the older they are, the deeper the colour. So as in, it and again... It goes from translucent to, to opaque. Sort of, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was about to say yellowy yeah. for the novices like me. And then like they me. get a rich golden colour. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with age, with red wines, it goes the other way. They start oh. off really opaque and violet and purple yeah. and sometimes almost inky black. Yeah. Almost black. And then with age, they the, the colour lightens and they go to sort of brick red. But the experiment I want to do with you is inspired by an experiment that was done in uh, the at the University of Bordeaux. Okay. Where they got 54 enophiles. So these are experts who were learning uh, who were learning to you know how to taste and everything about enology, which is the sort of um, production of wine. Mm-hmm. And um, they gave them two glasses of wine and they asked them to describe them. Okay. In terms of you know uh, the smell. What they didn't tell them was that the wines were exactly the same and that one was dyed <gasps> with an aromaless dye. So they're both white wines. One was dyed red. Oh. And when these experts wrote their notes, not one of them realised that they were exactly the same wine. So should we try it with you? Yes, please. So I'll put and on... I've done this before. I've just Yes, there we go. Okay. I'm putting the, Here I've, we are. I've got the mask on. Just so... I'm going to mix these up. They are different wines, I will tell you okay. that. Okay. There is no right or wrong answer. And I'm just trying to find out which one is white and which one is red. Yeah. That's as, that's that that's and it as... makes it doesn't matter if it, if it works, if it doesn't, because we can Okay. So there they are. And I right. put them in mugs, so it's not sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So So just have a smell. And then I would smell the uh, that's that's no. mine number one. That's number one. This is brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I think I know. Okay, good. I think I know. And I'm just doing this by smell. I'm not tasting... Am I tasting them? Not yet. This is even before I've taught you how to smell like a professional. I mean, I feel like I've done a lot of market research before this podcast. Okay, good. (laughs) It just hasn't been very... It just hasn't been very educated, that's all. Giving it a little swirl. Yeah. Your sense of smell is not in your nose. That's just a funnel. Your sense of smell is in your olfactory bulb, which is the front part of your brain. And that has about 15 to 20 million smell receptors. That's why 70%. Sorry, 15 to 20? To 20 million. So our sense of smell is very powerful. It was one of our first senses as we crawled out of of the water. Okay. Um, I feel like I've got... And what you want to do is you want to have a smell and you want to get your olfactory bulb alive. Now, the other thing, Susie, is that what, what might be happening to you now is that your olfactory bulb is also linked to long-term memory yeah. and emotion. I feel like Darren Brown here. Am I about to bark like a dog? What's going on? <laughs> um, so long-term memory and emotion. So smells can be unlocked. Oh. Lots of long-term... So, for, for example, we're in a church. You mm-hmm. go into a church and you smell the varnish mm-hmm. or the dust on the pew. Yeah. Or you go into, um, it could be your, your grandparents' car, mm-hmm. and it's got leather seats, one of those old yep. Cortinas from the 70s or something. But the classic one, of course, is your mother's cooking, your father's yeah. cooking. Uh, it could be shepherd's pie, could be 
Sunday roast. Could be Sunday roast. And then what happens is you suddenly get transported, all these long-term memories. There's that great scene in Ratatouille where the snooty, the snooty <laughs> critic... guess what film you were going to reference in this podcast, Ratatouille would have been so far from it, but I love it. Go on. And um, Well, the snooty critic goes in and he tastes the Ratatouille. Yes. And he's transported back to the kitchen table. Yes. It's quite, and, it's quite, and then he gets moved. He's quite, I'm getting quite emotional talking about it. Um, I, right, okay. I think I'm we still should, sniffing. I'm still I, sniffing. Yeah. But I feel, like, I feel like I've got an idea. Yeah, just I think you should from, say it. Because, um, so I think number one, so this is one on my left yes. just here. I think this is red. Yes. Let me have a look. Yes. Oh, oh. I am amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed that I knew this. You should go to the University of Bordeaux and teach them how to do it. Well, listen, I, that's where I'm going this afternoon. <laughs> You're listening to Wine Times, brought to you with the help of our friends at the Sunday Times Wine Club, your go-to experts for fantastic wine. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we've been tasting in this episode, there'll be a link to them in the podcast description. 
is when you can smell perfume or the Sunday roast cooking yeah. or bacon cooking. It's, what, it's, like, it's like the aromas that come around. So when you lower your nose into this, oh, you can smell it. That's really nice. And it's really aromatic. Yep. This is, I've described it before as like a, this is like a jet stream of fruit. Isn't it? mm-hmm. There's lots of fruit coming off. It's like, now retronasal, this is, this is what I'm going to show you what I was doing with my mouth. Okay. Is when you put the wine in your mouth, and you suck and swirl it around, you suck the air across it. Because there's two ways to get your olfactory bulb. One is your nose. The other is at the back of your throat. There's all these sort of olfactory uh, receptors. And I'd like to give the example of something like pork chops or salmon fish cakes, mm-hmm. that when you cook them, they don't really smell much when you have them on the plate. Mm-hmm. But then when you chew them, the flavour explodes. Yeah. And that's what we're going to try and do with this one. So I will just demonstrate how yes. I would do this. Say I was going to... Um, I was at the Sunday Times Wine Club and we were tasting yep. through their range. Okay, so Will's uh, swirling it around in the glass beforehand. So first of all, I swirl it and that releases the, the yeah. mirror. F- funny enough, that's the question I get asked more than any other when I do a live wine tasting is how do you swirl? And I just, I don't know, I just do it instinctively now. I just sort of tip, tip the wine, put it in your mouth. Drag the air across, and as you can see, <laughs> I'm not the greatest spitter. <laughs> listen, I won't judge you for it. Don't worry. So you're swelling it around. As you're doing that, you're having a retronasal, and you're getting more taste. Okay. And actually this, there's layers of flavour. This is almost coating the mouth. So, so give it a swirl. try and do exactly what you did. And then I, afterwards, I will tell you what it is. Oh, yeah, that's it. Drag it across. <laughs> and you can spit if you like. We have spittoons. Um, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Why yes? Yes. <laughs> okay. Bingo. That's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. It's sort of crisp. Cri- absolutely. Is that crisp. right? Yes. It's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. The, one of the most important and popular wines in the UK. It's from Hunters, which have um, a huge history with the Sunday Times Wine Club. This is their 2021. So we're right down. We've gone from Buckinghamshire mm-hmm. on our journey. And I always like to take you on a journey. So we're in... We've flown, so we've got into a luxury minibus to Heathrow, Terminal 5, and we've flown all the way via probably Singapore, and then we get on another plane and we go down to Auckland. Yeah. The third plane, and we're going to the tip of the South Island, a place called Marlborough, mm-hmm. which used to be a big agriculture. They used to grow a lot of cherries. They still do, but it used to be sort of like the, the bread basket. But it's synonymous with wine now, isn't it, Marlborough? Yeah, so the first vines were planted in the late 70s. I say the first, but, you know, the, the sort of first wave of commercial plantings and this was um, planted by hunters and in the early 80s the Sunday Times Wine Club would have a big festival in London in Kensington and um, they'd have awards which they still do now we do at Old Biddingsgate Market and I think this one for 1982, 83 and 85 is hugely important and before this came along wine lovers hadn't really enjoyed a wine that has so much fruit as you said Mm. that the smell of it so I've given you some little notes. I was writing yes. this morning. So there's a very good uh, wine tutor in France called Jean Lenoir. And he was teaching people how to smell and how to appreciate wine. And he, he found it quite challenging to describe these smells and get his pupils to learn the taste descriptors. Because unless you've tasted olives... How do you know ta- what it tastes exactly, like? <laughs> exactly. Um, so he created something called Le Nez de Vin, which is little perfume bottles of all the aromatics that you get in wine. I was going to bring one along. I might bring it along next week, actually. 
And he breaks it down, the smell, into these very easy to understand categories. So is it floral, vegetal, fruity, mineral, animal, like gamey, spicy, dried fruit, mm-hmm. or burnt? And I've, I've written them down for you here. But there's obviously more characters, but there is a very distinctive character on this. There's two fruit flavours, I think. Yes. That, that, that predominate, um, 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 that, that sort of uh, are pre- predominant in this. This is 2021, so this is their 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're in the Southern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. so they have their harvest in March. Yeah. If you Because everything's, well, you know, you go there a lot. With your... Well, I've been there a couple of times, yeah. you stand up, yeah. So I am I going to guess yeah. the fruits? It, it, what do you say? What do you think? Okay. You do, and there's no right or wrong. I think it's a bit grapefruity. Yes. Is that right? It's like... like, Citrusy? Absolute citrus. Uh, The classic descriptor is gooseberry, but grapefruit gooseberry. Okay. For me, more than... And I know this isn't exactly what you've asked, but for me, it's more about where I can see myself drinking it. Is that an okay way to taste wine? Absolutely. I feel like this would be ideal if you were about to have dinner in a nice restaurant. It was sunny enough to sit just outside. I love it. Um, maybe the first night of a holiday. Yeah, I, I love that. Can, can I use that? Please. The first night of a holiday. So Hugh Johnson might describe it as a fridge door white. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say, as I retasted that, you're bang on with the grapefruit. Oh, bang this on. is such Please great news a, for me. Are we going to swap? I have to do the jokes. <laughs> my jokes are rubbish. Do you know what? Um, one... Maybe you're right. So, let, let, but let, let's be more specific. Okay. Sorry to. No, no, no please. Uh, let, let's say. Where are we on holiday? Where'd you go? But I've, I mean, I'm I'm very lucky that I've been to lots of different places, and sometimes work takes me to different places, yeah. which is lots of fun. But, but I know what you mean. You've 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 been out in the day. You may, may have had a shower. Yes. You've, you've arrived. The restaurants for eight. Yes. But it's seven o'clock. You still have a bit of time for you to leave. And you're thinking to yourself, do you know what? Let's just have a glass. Before. Let's just have a glass before. <laughs> Let's just stop and have a glass. Just so we can get our bearings. Yeah. That's what you're saying. You're, you're, you're lying to yourself that you need to find your bearings, <laughs> but actually it's a ruse to have a glass of wine somewhere. And all you, you could just have some peanuts with it. You know, Happily. Anything, anything to hand. And I think that's, a, that's why this wine is so popular because it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good value. Um, and I always think if I go to a large drinks party, you know, mm-hmm. it might be a corporate drinks party, we've yeah. all been there. If they're serving Sauvignon Blanc, safe bet, no problem. Right. You know, because it has that wonderful acidity that gives you a lift. Yes. So both these wines, because we are in spring now, are wines that lift you up. They're what I would call revivers, aren't they? I, uh, I was once on a flight <laughs> and um, it was in New Zealand Air, who I think have really good they wines. They have amazing wine. Yeah. And so I was just in economy. I was going there uh, for like a bit of fun, but also some work as well. And um, oh, you know what it's like, like the second leg of that long haul flight. Yeah. That is killer, isn't it? And you're like, you're in economy. So I'm sort of like, I'm not that tall, but I feel like a praying mantis yeah, in yeah. a seat. You know, my legs are up here. And um, <laughs> a guy... A guy came by past quite a uh, a camp jolly air steward came by yes. and he's and everyone was asleep around me and I couldn't get off to sleep. And he said, Are you okay, hun? And I said, Oh, I said, I'm just I said, I'm knackered, but I can't sleep. I said, Can I have a glass of wine? He was like, Don't tell anyone, but I've got a Marlborough Sauvignon uh, from first class and I'm gonna bring you a glass of that. And I've never loved a man more. It was just it made so my nice. flight so much better. Yeah. Just this very charming man just plying me with the first class wine. I was I mean, oh. I was so happy. 
Also, but, at the airport, yes, there's, well, there's time no, doesn't exist, does <laughs> it? So you can so get there and go. Why is that? Yeah, I think I think it's time for a half a lug of shandy. It's seven a.m. You're like, well, I think it is. There is always someone having a beer. At airport, <laughs> always, whatever time of day. Or My night. friend and I went to New York <laughs> before the pandemic. We went to New York, and we our flight was at half past seven, and we got to the airport at five. And he went. Bottle of champagne? I was like, I guess so. I guess so, because time doesn't exist here. No, exactly. I think you're absolutely right. I just find the older I get, the more, you know, the, 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 the worse I feel the other end. Oh, country. for but, sure. Um, and, and watching a film with a glass of wine. Yeah, really nice. Oh, that size, is it? Yeah, you can do that in some of those fancy cinemas yeah, now. Yeah. We can get a nice glass of wine and sort of sit on a sofa. It feels oh, I think very that's chic. Civilized, don't you, yeah, actually? it's lovely. Um, you know, obviously not too much again. How I relax, actually, is to read fiction mm. with a glass of wine. That I'm not really, you know, that I, again, I want it for refreshment and enjoyment. I don't want to in- intellectualise it too much. Mm. But that's very good to nurse it over. A crime um, novel with a glass of yeah, red feels right, doesn't it? So, Susie, we're leaving um, New Zealand. We right, probably right. will have a glass of wine. Almost certainly. Hopefully we get upgraded. Yeah. Uh, we're flying back to the Northern Hemisphere. And we're coming back to really, so we started in England, we've done New Zealand. We're coming back to the, where all roads lead to in, in wine, which is France. Mm-hmm. Um, and France is, has got the longest track record in terms of, of producing a good quality wine for a few hundred years. And we're in southwest France. I know you like Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. but we're in the other place. So there are two leading wine regions of the world, Burgundy and Bordeaux. And we're in Bordeaux, which okay. has enormous links with the UK. You mentioned a roast. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect wine to go with the roast. Okay. Um, our third wine is Chateau Le Clarier. And this again has a history like Hunters with the Sunday Times Wine Club because Sunday Times Wine Club was set up by Tony Lathwaite in the early 70s and his wife Barbara. But in the 60s, Tony, as a, as a, young, uh, um, a young graduate, went to work at a winery in Bordeaux. And he liked it so much, in 1980, he bought it. Oh, wow. And this is the wine. And it's got better and better and better, actually. Now, you've got to spend yourself here. We, okay. you, we got to think. So we were on the terrace mm-hmm. uh, just before supper. Uh, on a holiday. holiday. First night so holiday. Now we're back in. It's sort of Sunday, full-on roast. Okay. Cold outside. Yeah. It's five o'clock. The roast has been cooking. You pull it out. I think it smells delicious. Mm. Mm. It smells really good. Right, you're tasting. I'm going to taste. Now, at this point, I should say, you're a brilliant taster. I mean, you, all your descriptions have been bang on the money. So, what can you smell? Well, it's not quite as clear to me as this Avignon Blanc was. No, that was... A, so, is it... That was more obvious so we, if to we my think palate. To sort of Jean Lenoir, is it dry or sweet? Think of the acidity, the weight and the texture of it. I think it's dark fruit. It's sort of black carrot, isn't it? Yeah, it's... I think it's just rich, spicy. Yeah, spicy. Warming. Yeah, it's definitely the type of thing you'd have indoors when it's chilly outside. Mm. I don't think... Maybe that's just a, a, a misconception I have about red wine in general. So if we, if, if we think about where we are, mm-hmm. opposite, we're just on the, on the bank opposite the Tower of London. Yeah. I think, and I'm going back to like the 14th, 15th century. Okay. And we'd be drinking this wine in this country for that long. The ships would leave Bordeaux a sort of November after the harvest go out the Gironde Estuary, up the Bay of Biscay, cross the, uh, past France, cross the English Channel, and they come into uh, London, where this was, uh, you know, almost as popular as, as anything, really. It was the, the New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc of its day. 
if it is still a little bit acidic, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still it's difficult, you know, in this environment where we've had three, you know, no food, mm-hmm. three very different styles. Yeah. And this is a wine, you know, the first two wines, very easy to enjoy on their own. This is a wine that really does need food. And that's why you have that lovely acidity, because that goes well with, mm. with sort of red meats or heavy, heavy textured food. It doesn't have to be meat. I mean, I have swallowed that bit. That was really nice. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how much letting in the air as you're drinking it, as you're tasting it, yeah. how much that sort of changes yeah. the flavour in your mouth. Yeah, but I really like that. Yeah. Could you imagine opening this up at home? Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking that bottle with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's it from us today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Pub, produced by Ben Mitchell. You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your normal podcast provider. And we'll be back next week with more delicious wine and a fabulous guest. And remember that all of the wines we tasted today are available from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. But from all of us here at Amazing Grace, thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more Wine Times. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.